by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Guys, I really appreciate you sharing. It was good to hear from each one of you. Some of you I've met before and known uh, through the years, and then some are new uh, to hear what God's put in your heart while you're here, what you're doing. The thing that I love is I heard that uh, it's the love, the family, the caring that uh, you really love and appreciate here, and the genuineness, the reality and, and of the work of God. Uh, you know, and that's what the body of Christ is, isn't it? We're a family, you know, and we are a body. We're the body of Christ. Uh, you hurt your foot, the rest of your body is with compassion and cares for it, you know. Uh, speaking of. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's so good to be here. And I so appreciate your pastors. Don't you think you have the best pastors in the world? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Guy, Pastor Guy and Angie, I, I'll never forget sitting over in a room and we were discussing uh, uh, what the Lord was saying on the future of the church. And uh, everybody was in one accord that, hey, this is the guy, the person, no pun intended, but this is the man that uh, should lead us into our future. And it has really been God. It has really been God. And so we're grateful for that. And I'm going to say a a brief prayer here. And uh, I'm glad we don't have to pray long for God to do great things. Uh, But I want to pray a prayer and let's just get right into this. Father, thank you so much for the privilege uh, I have of being able to be here among your leaders. People that you have placed your hand upon and called together here in Passion Church DeSoto to impact this community to be a living representation of the kingdom of God right here that people can see a tangible living Jesus that cares, that that has purchased their, them from all of their sins and all of their faults and failures and has is the answer for their life. And God, I thank you that your light is shining bright uh, and powerful here um, within this group and within this church body and within this community. Now, Father, uh, make this time productive and fruitful for your kingdom, for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, we have a um, uh, PowerPoint. We do, don't we? Yep. Uh, So why don't we put that up there, guys, and we'll jump right into this. Uh, You have the notes on it, and uh, we'll get started here. I know that guy, I'll tell you what, but I don't know that I'd go out to hear him, but at least his wife told me she wouldn't. Here we go. Passion Church DeSoto Leadership Meeting. Uh, I want you to say out loud, I am a leader because God has made me a leader. 
That's right, you are. Okay, let's go. Uh, and what we're doing, guys, is we're following Jesus in all of this, isn't it? That's what we're doing. You know, we're just following Jesus. Uh, so let's go to that first slide there, guys. Okay, let's talk about our why. Now, listen, <clears throat> this is, as leaders, it's so important that we always understand, remember, and remind ourselves and others of the why. Let me give you a little, uh, you, you, you know this, uh, but, uh, and this, this is so true. When we understand the why, the what becomes simple or easy or the what will become clear. Okay, too many times in uh, church and in life, you know, we're focused on the what. What do I need to do? Just tell me what to do. As when my wife and I pastored for many, many years, started a church, planted a church in, in a city and pastored there for 30-something years. And uh, so many times, you know, couples would come in or an individual would come in and they were wanting help, answers, you know, help me out here. Give me, give me something. You know, I've read the Bible. I can't really find where it tells me exactly what I need to do. Just tell me what to do. And that tends to be our thing. You know, what do I do to get out of this? What do I do to get where I need to go? What do I do to change my marriage, my life? What do I do uh, to make the right decision? And we do focus on the what. And the what's important, isn't it? You know, uh, the what of our salvation was a cross. What not it? The cross was the what. It it did what? It's where our salvation happened. But what's the why? For God so loved the world. See, that's the why. And it's really the why we experience what he did at the cross, but it's the why that is so powerful, not to diminish what Jesus did. That separated time and eternity for us, didn't it? But why did the Father do it? And so we always need to remember the why and go back to the why. And when you're dealing with tough times or when you're at an at a impasse, it seems to be, in what you're doing and leading uh, in the church here and in your life, uh, you come to that, you know, uh, don't let the, the enemy will always try to get us to focus on what's going on or what's not going on. What we have or what we don't have. Are you with me? Okay. But that's where you've got, you're a leader. And the, number, the main person I got to lead is me. If I can't lead me, I can't lead anyone else, you know. So, you know, I've got to lead me and come back and say, wait a minute. What's my why? Why am I doing this? Why, why am I here? You know, why has God got me here? Why, why did God place me here? Why am I at the, you know, and then when you do that, it really, it reminds us that's the foundation, all right, of our lives. That's the foundation of what we do as leaders in the body of Christ. And what is our why? Uh, it's in uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, Jesus came and told his disciples. Now, we're all his disciples, aren't we? You know what a disciple is? It's a, uh, a learner under discipline. Now, discipline not being, you know, my homeroom class when I was in school was the principal's office, you know. <laughs> It really was just about. I'd go down to the principal's office. I'd walk in and they'd say, just go down the hall, Steve. 
And uh, I mean, it was a regular daily occurrence for me. I was always in trouble. And I didn't even know why. <laughs> I needed to find my why, didn't I? But uh, it was because of what I was doing. <laughs> and I could And they'd say, I don't know why I did it. But anyway, uh, we are disciples. You're, you know, we're, we're learners of Jesus under discipline. We're, what that means is we're, we're uh, turning, saying no to all these other things so we say yes to him, you know. And we're, we're discipling our life. We're disciplining our life. We're cleansing our life. You take a bath or a shower, you know. You're, you're disciplining your life. You're cleaning off things, okay. Or you can say you're judging your life, you know, by doing that, you know. But <clears throat> we're, so we're followers of Jesus. Jesus said, you know, come and uh, in the in the uh, uh, America or in the English version of the Bible, it says, "Come and learn from me, or learn of me." But in literally in the original language, he said, "Come and learn me, learn me." See, instead of learning about Jesus, we want to learn Jesus, and that's really so important because you, as a leader, see, you want to take people from knowing about God to knowing God. You want to take people from knowing about Jesus or what Jesus did to knowing Jesus. Because if you can ever get someone from knowing about to knowing, then all of a sudden you can say, okay, you're good to go. You've taken the training wheels off of their little bicycle and they can ride on their own. Okay? And so uh, he said, come and learn me. You know, uh, I've been married in August 55 years. And I just wanted to go out for a date. But... <clears throat> 11 grandkids and three great-grandkids later and this wonderful grandson of mine that is his finishing his first year at Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, and I'm so proud of him. But <clears throat> yay, you owe me now. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know there's a lot of women. I, when I say I don't mean that, that way, okay. <laughs> There's women I know. I know, you know, through the years. I, 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 speaking of, I know, you know, there's women I know, but there is a whole world of difference. I may know about them, but I know Denise, my Denise. <laughs> I know my Denise. You know, I know her, you know, because we've walked together. We've sailed, we've walked through storms, we've walked through heartache, we've walked through wonderful times, we've been to the mountaintop and down in the valley. We've been where life couldn't be better and we didn't think it could get worse. But through it all, we just kept walking together and we learned life together and in the process we learned each other, you know, to where we know each other, you know. And so Jesus said, you know, he says now, to his disciples, those that have been learning him, those that have walked with him three and a half years and they watched him. They heard his messages, but they saw him as the message. Now, this is another point I want you to wrap your heart around. See, if you're a life group leader uh, or if you're a, 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 a head of ushers or you're working in security or, or you clean the house, whatever it may, youth group pastor, whatever it is, jail ministry, whatever it is, you know, in all of it, you are leading people, you are teaching people, you are training people, all right? You're developing them, 
to where that they're growing up in God, see? And in all of that, you're doing that. Now, Jesus said, to, he said to his disciples, he said, no, I have give, been given all authority. I have been given all authority. Now, Jesus was given it. See, everything issues from the Father, doesn't it? And the Father gave Jesus authority. Why did he give Jesus authority, do you think? Um, who? Because he was obedient. You know, what did he, what obedience did he, I mean, how was he obedient? What did he do? In a nutshell, don't you need to tell me all the, uh, the details. Somebody said it? He did the will of the Father. He did what the Father wanted him to do. You remember he said uh, in John chapter 5, he, uh, around verse 29, he says, I, the Son can do nothing of himself or initiated from himself. You know, he said, but I can only do, I only do, I only do what I see my Father do. Okay? And he only said what his father told him to say. You remember at the end he told the disciples, he said, there's a whole lot I'd like to tell you. I wish I could have told you. I wish we'd had the time. Well, you know, but he said, I couldn't because you couldn't hold it. You couldn't uh, understand it, grasp it. The father wouldn't let him say it. But so uh, he has all authority the Father has given authority to him, and, a, and Jesus has given authority to you and I. And the authority we have to fulfill the post that we're to fulfill, to stand in our place in the work of God, in the kingdom of God, it's from the Father. You know, uh, uh, there's an old movie called The Blues Brothers. John Bellucci and Dan Aykroyd, you know, uh, it's a classic, you know. And, uh, and uh, that, you know, you, if you may not watch movie or seen it, but it's the idea is they were on a, they said they were on a mission from God. They, had to, they were going to save this Catholic orf, uh, uh, home, uh, place where, the, or school, where they were trained as orphans, you know. Uh, they were going to save it because it was going under and going to be uh, done away with. And so they were on a mission from God to save it and go raise money. All right? Well, you literally are on a mission from God. Well, you say, all I do is I'm a keeper of the house or I'm an usher or I, or I work in the sound. Don't, there's not, that's not all you do. In everything you're doing, you know, you're on a mission from God and your mission is you're making disciples, you're leading others into knowing Jesus where that they go from knowing about him to knowing him. No matter what you're doing, that's what you're doing. And so Jesus says to him, he says, he calls those guys together and he's been, they've been learning him. They've been learning him. They've watched him. They watched him when he preached, but they watched him when he lived what he preached. Now that, let me just stop there for a moment. That's the importance of you in a church. Because people don't follow a pastor, they follow the leaders who are following the pastor. Who's following Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, pastor gets up and teaches and preaches and all that. And they say, 
you think, well, that everybody's going to do that. But no, they're going to look to see if someone is. And they're going to follow, say, okay. And if they believe you're real, they're going to follow you in that. So in all we're doing, in all we're doing in church, if, let me see if I can say this uh, without getting too far into it. It's like God creates all that or allows us. Let me say it that way. God allows us to create a whole lot of stuff in church we do. You know, we got this, we got that. You know, we got all these different things that I hear every one of you. I didn't hear one of you say only do one thing. All of you are doing all these things, you know. And you've got all these things you're doing doing and God allows us to create all these things these activities these doing of things for one reason well let me say it actually I'll split it up it's one reason but I'll split it into two for two reasons that is so that you can grow and so that the people around you will grow that's all it's about could God's church survive without keepers of the house could God's church, I'm talking about, wait a minute, could God's work in the earth, would it, if you guys quit doing keepers of the house ministry, would the work of God on earth suddenly stop? And an announcement on uh, the news that say, we don't know what's happened, but the, there's, the work of God is stopped in the earth. Oh, you heard, Passion Church, they're keepers of the house, stop the ministry. What I'm saying is, you know, when you you weigh it up against, in this in the, Against the balance of all of that, you think, well, it's just a little thing. But God allows us to have all of these things that we're doing for one single purpose. And I said it in two ways. There's flip side to the coin. It's one coin, and that is growth in the knowing of him. To where we can say, I know him. I know him. And that's really what the world looks for. Is somebody that really knows him. There's a lot of, you know, they hear a lot of talk about him. And that's good. We need to talk about him. But really what they're looking for is someone that knows him. You with me? Someone that knows him. Everybody needs a Jesus with flesh on him. Okay? So, all of us are life group leaders, aren't we? You're a life group leader. No matter what you're doing. If you're, if you're uh, working this out, you're a life group leader because your life is, you're leading, there's people that, there's a group that you're leading, whether you realize it or not. And as you grow and you're knowing Jesus and, and doing the best you know how, it's affecting those around you. Your life is like a rock cast, thrown into a, a glassy pond. And the ripples of your life goes out and it touches lives and touches lives and touches lives. So he says, we're going to get past the why, hopefully. <laughs> the why is my message. I'm a foundation layer and so my life is about the why. He said, I have been given all authority. Now, how much is all? Is that, is, does that include everything? It does, doesn't it? 
So does that include all of the, uh, the things the enemy lies about to us? Is Jesus' authority over that? Does it, would it be over your finances, over your marriage, over your family, over your life, over your body, over your community, over this church? He has all authority, doesn't he? I have been given all authority in heaven on earth, therefore. Now, you know, the, the, you know, when you find a therefore in the Bible, you always want to know what it's there for. Okay? What is it there for? Because that helps you to understand what he's about to say. And it, because he has all authority, therefore go. Now, right there is our authority. Is him saying go. That's our authority. You don't need to feel like you've got it. You don't need to be. You know, that's your qualification. That's your qualification. I remember when my pastor that I got, I got saved at 24 years of age. Uh, my wife was a good Baptist girl and I was a good sinner. And no, seriously, I really was a good sinner. Uh, and uh, uh, when I, not that, you know, singing is good, but I mean, I did it. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. But when my pastor sat down, I'll never forget it. I can see it right now in my mind's eye on a Wednesday night. I was working in these things, little kids, little boys that were kind of like a Boy Scout type thing. And I was back there with them. I was a helper because I couldn't be a teacher because I'd only been saved a short while, you know. And so, but I went back there. I wanted to do something. And I was back, uh, came out and... Uh, he said, sit down. And I sat down with him. He said, when are you going to answer the call of God? And I looked at him and I said, God can't use me. God can't use me. I'm not qualified. Well, you see, what I've discovered since then is that right there, the two, the two letters, G-O, that's my qualification. Amen. That's my doctorate. That's my diploma. That's my uh, that's." My authority. That's my ministry card right there. You know? Validation. The go. That's all I need. I got that. I'm good to go. Now, there's a lot of learning. But he said, therefore, go. And what did he say? And next. The next three words. Say it out loud. And, make and what? And make, disciples. and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. All right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, the Bible is filled with reasons why we should follow uh, Jesus and make disciples. But this right here, these verses are enough. Right there is enough. Now, let's go to the next thing, or why. Let's go to the next point there, guys. Okay, we go because, let's say it out loud with me. Jesus has all authority. Okay, is that agreed upon? Yes. That agreed upon? Okay, I got saved. I ran out of church. My wife took me to church with her. I just got back from was overseas during the Vietnam War and got back. And uh, I had, sad to say, I'd gotten drunk on a Friday night, flew it back home from, uh, from uh, being, getting my separation papers, 
got in to home, got in on Saturday night. My wife said, won't you go to church with me? And I said, I don't go to church. Don't ask me to go. But anyway, for some reason, you know, using woman power, she convinced me to go to church with her Sunday morning. We got there on Sunday morning, and I went in. I felt I couldn't breathe. I'd never been in a place like that. So I, you know, I sat there for a little while, grabbed her hand, ran out, said, don't you ever ask me back to that kind of place again. And I was using other kind of language. And uh, I was so angry. But anyway, that evening, you know, she took we went home, she fixed a really good dinner, lunch, you know, and she was so sweet, and she'd bring me sweet tea, and I, I was thinking, what's she so sweet for? And she's doing all this, and then finally she said, if you'll go back to church with me tonight, now don't get mad, just listen to me. She said, if you'll go back to church with me one more time, I promise I'll never mention Jesus to you, I'll never mention church to you, I'll never read my Bible in front of you, and you'll never see me pray in front of you. And I looked at her and I said, no, wait a minute, repeat that. And she did. And I said, is, is that a promise? And she said, I promise. I said, then you got a deal. Because I thought I could go do my time, get out, and we're done. All right? And so I didn't know she and God had made a deal. Nobody told me. It wasn't fair in a way because nobody told me that someone could make a deal with God that you don't know about. Especially when it deals with, has to do with you. And so she and God, had, she had told God, I'm going to ask him, go back one more time. And then I'm going to tell him, we'll never, never have to darken the door of a church again. And you, but you've got to save him. This is your one shot, last chance. Uh, this is, you know, the buzzer beater or it's over. And so uh, I went back that night. Don't remember one thing the preacher said. But I wound up at an altar crying out to God. He changed my life. And immediately, you know, I was going out on the streets preaching and telling people about Jesus. Now, I say preach. That's, that's a very loose terminology. I was testifying. And when I say testifying, it was basically, hey, I met God. And that's about all I knew how to say. But I said it with passion. I said it with genuineness. And I was like a guy, hey, hey, we're in the desert and I found water over here, guys. There's a well of water. You know, and I was kind of like that. And people listened, believe it or not. They really did. You know why? Because I went with authority. I was under somebody's authority. And so when I spoke, as though, was it a message? Would you want to buy the recording? Absolutely not. You know, I would, I mean... It was just, I was doing my best to say what had happened to me. I could not even put it in terminology. Someone told me I'd gotten saved when I was out witnessing. I got what? They said, you got saved. I said, what does that mean? And they said, all the things you've just been saying. I said, well, that's cool. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now I've got something I can tell people. I got saved. But... Why, how could God use that? How in the world could God And what right do I have to do that? What right did I have? You know, and there was people that challenged my authority. But that didn't matter. And you know, I didn't know this. I didn't know it. No one had told me this. I just met God. All right? But, you know, what made it effective was that I was under authority. 
and I went out with authority. Let me tell you, what, what does all this got to do with you? As you do what you're doing, as you're leading, as you're touching lives, as you're doing your part, you're doing it under that authority. And so it's guaranteed to have an impact. I don't do anything. I do not do anything in God that I don't expect to result and effect and an impact because I know I'm doing it under an authority that has nothing to do with Steve Vickers. Absolutely nothing. Okay? So recognize that. Embrace it. I'm talking about the why, you know. Get your why. Wrap your heart and life and everything you do around it. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Under his authority. Okay, what's the next one? It's out loud, please. All right. The price he paid. We go because of the price he paid. All right. You ever get tired and feel like, God, I'm doing, doing, doing. What's, where's the, you know, or you get, I just, I'm tired. I need a break. You never thought about pastor. I want to tell the pastor, I need take a year off. I need some time off. You know, I just need, you know, we all get tired. We all get weary. We all get to the point where, you know, and I've been there and, and just said, God, I've got nothing left. I feel like I'm drawing water out of a dry well. I'm, you know, it's, I'm empty. But then, you know, and I'm thinking about me, and, and there's nothing gross and sinful, and you're a horrible, self-centered, ungodly person. We're human. We have this, this glorious thing in a, in a vessel of clay, don't we? You don't believe me? Go stand in the middle of the interstate preaching in the, you know, in traffic. You know, about the time a car hits you, you'll remember you have an earthly vessel. But you know, when I'm in those times, not immediately, but somewhere in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit is going to whisper to me the cross. And suddenly, I'm going to be reminded All right, he paid. I'm tired, yeah. What did he do? You with me? The price he paid. Why he paid the price? Why did Jesus pay that price? What? For God so loved the world. Do you think that's a message that could touch people right now? Well, you and I sit at a an amazing point in history where the world feels hopeless. It's fearful. It needs hope. It needs someone that the love of God is real in. They need the sense of the love of God. The love of God is not passive. It wasn't a passive thing that sent the Son of God to the cross. That's a powerful, active all-consuming, passionate, unquenchable force that refuses to stop. God so loved the world. That's why you're doing what you're doing. That's why you lead that life group. That's why you work in soul food. That's why you do it. Because God so loved. 
You ever been to where I don't feel I have any more love to give? I'm at the end. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there when I felt like everybody in the church was just wanting me to slip more wrist and bleed more and pour more and give more. And you're just at, you know, and it's like everyone, you're laying on the ground bleeding to death. They come up and say, hey, can you help me out here? But you know what? That's when I have to go back inside myself to the why. That's when I have to climb the hill of God, wrap my fingers in the garments of God and be reminded once again, God so loved the world. He was driven by his love. Knowing that we would sin, knowing that the creation of Adam and Eve would cost him the life of his son and his son would have to carry sin. Yet he was driven, his love, and maybe driven's not a good word, but I'm telling you what, there's not a word powerful enough to express what the Father, how powerful that love is. Let that grab a hold of your heart. Let that be your motivation. Let that stir you till nothing can stop you. I'm telling you what, listen to me. You get, you let this take root deep inside you, and it's contagious. It's contagious. You can read there. No, you don't have to read right now. I'm sorry. Thank you. But you can read all of that. You have the notes. Let's go to the next one. We go because. And okay, let's look at this. The word go. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And it was understood he was saying the Father gave it to me. He didn't go get it. He didn't go attend a school to get it. He gave it by his life, by obedience to the Father, complete obedience to the Father. Obedience now, let me just take a moment here. How powerful obedience is. How powerful obedience is. You remember the thief on the cross? Shake your head if you remember the story. Okay? And you know what the, how it happened. Two th- he was crucified between two thieves. One on the right, one on the left. One was mocking. And the other said, you shouldn't mock him. We deserve this. He doesn't. And then he turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Now, isn't it something? Now, listen to me. Isn't it something? Jesus said, let's, let's fast, let's move, I mean, let's rewind the tape just a little bit. And Jesus is giving the discourses at the end of his life, and he knew it was the end. And he said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, was going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does what? The will of my Father. He that does the will of the Father. That's the only one that's going to enter heaven. We can... So I love Jesus, Jesus, praise the Lord, glory. He said, but it, the, the issue is doing the will of the Father. And yet the thief on the cross says, remember me. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, how much obedience? See, here's the thing you've got to understand. It's obedience. is an act of faith. And it's when a heart reaches up and says, Jesus, 
when you know I'm at the end of my road. Maybe when I'm at the end of some disobedience or a failure or just worn out or whatever. As soon as my heart reaches up, Jesus, the Father sees that as obedience. And all of heaven opens up to us. All of heaven. I wish we had time to talk more about that, but he uses the word, he says, all authority is mine, therefore go. Now the word he uses, it's in, in the middle voice in Greek. Now it didn't, unless you've studied Greek, it doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Uh, but it, uh, which we do not have in English. We don't have a middle voice in English. But it would be, in the Greek, it is like as you are going. It's not an act. See, I can't go. See, my wife and I, we planted a church in Montgomery, Alabama in 1980, August of 1980, because God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to us. So we went and did that. Can I look back and say, well, I've, I've gone. I've gone. No, because he didn't say just go. He said going. Everybody say going. Now, going is a difference between gone, isn't it? Going is something. If you're, you know, Denise calls me and says, where are you? I'm going to the store. What does that mean? I'm on my way. I'm in a process. I'm going from to. Okay? And so we could really say like this, as you're going to heaven, as you're going through life, as you're going about your life, as you're going, as you are going, make disciples. See, making disciples should not be something we go to a class to do, or we go to a life group to do, or we go to a church to do. Because this is a building, it's not a church. Making disciples ought to be the fruit of our going through life. And you are making disciples. You know, like, I mean, when we, in, in our home groups, and when we pastored there, and, uh, there would be people who came to me and say, Pastor, we're going to have to resign. And I'd say, why? And they'd say, nobody's coming. I mean, it's, you know, it's two or three people, and bless their hearts, I want to I set them free and let them not have to come. They love me, and they wouldn't want to disappoint me, but there's just nobody coming. You know, and we're not affecting any lives. And I said, says who? And they said, well, we're not. And I said, okay, who told you that? And they said, well, we know not. I said, oh, okay, great. Wow. From now on, I'm going to call you for my message on Sunday mornings because you know more than God, obviously. (laughs) Because God said, if you'll just obey him, he's going to create fruit. Now, you may not see all the fruit. You know, I was raised farming. My dad was a farm. We had a farm. And, and, you know, I knew this. We didn't plant a seed one day and reap the harvest the next day. You know, when I was a little kid, I didn't understand it. And I'd go out because we'd worked hard. And I'd go out in the field and I'd look and say, Dad, there's nothing. He said, wait, son, you've got to give it time, you know. But sure enough, it would produce fruit, wouldn't it? A life sown will always produce fruit. An act of obedience sown always produces fruit. So say with me right now, I am fruitful. You are fruitful. You are, you have been, you are, and you will be. Okay? 
And so as we're going, it's, you know, as we're going, we're producing fruit. The, probably one of the best scriptures I know, uh, just an example in, in the book of Acts is eight, chapter 8, verse 4, where, when the uh, persecution happened and the people were scattered. And it says, and they, as all the believers, as they were scattered, went because of persecution, ran for their lives, ran from the persecution to keep from being uh, imprisoned, beaten, or even killed. They were running Fleeing from persecution, as we see in Ukraine with the people fleeing. Can you imagine? I mean, that's what it was with these thousands, tens of thousands of believers leaving Jerusalem because of the persecution against the church, you know. And so they're fleeing. But as they went, what does it say? They preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. That's the picture of when Jesus said, therefore, go as you're going. Now, they're running for their lives, but as they're running for their lives, they're, they're talking about Jesus. And that didn't mean they stopped on the corner of, the, of the, you know, that sand dune there and started preaching. But no, their lives, and, and as they interacted with people. You know, I dare say, if I set what was able to be a fly on the wall around your life, I know this. As I've watched your life and the way you go through life and your interaction with other people, you would be preaching Jesus without saying, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me too. See, you would be preaching Jesus. And so he said, uh, uh, as, you, uh, as you're going, let's go to the next one, guys. And he said, go to the nations. That's all peoples and people groups. You know, it, it, the word nations literally meant, because uh, they didn't have nations like we did do now, you know, which are politically drawn up borders. Uh, but there was people, tribes would be a good way to express it, that all these tribes. And he said, go make disciples of all the nations. Go into all the nations and make disciples of the nations. And it's the people groups. And right here, in uh, uh, Horn Lake, South Haven, DeSoto County, there's people groups. And if we had the time, we don't, because I've taken all the time here on introduction almost, but if we had time, we could talk about that. How many of you could know of a people group here? How many of you know of a people group? Okay, not just say uh, South Haven, Horn Lake, but within that there's different people groups. All right. What do I mean by that? There's different ways of thinking about things. There's different, uh, you know, like where I live. I mean, there's I mean, you've got all kinds of nationalities. California is a melting pot for people from all over. Uh, and, you know, uh, you've got all these different people groups. And they have different ways of thinking, different ideals and different value systems and all this. But, you know, he said, go into all those people groups. One thing you guys might do is sit down and look, okay, what are the people groups? I'll tell you a people group would be high school kids. That's a people group. You know, elementary school kids, that's a people group. Parents, single parents of children, that's a, well, if, if they're a single parent, obviously they're children, isn't it? That's kind of, that's a con- redundancy. But anyway, single parents with children <laughs> uh, who are not married. 
what I'm saying. I'm, I'm making fun of myself. But anyway, a single parent is a people group, isn't it? Young couple, that's a people group, isn't it? Okay. Uh, do you have some, like you may have Hispanics moving in, different things you have, different people groups. And even within that, you'll have people groups. And it's good for us to define who those people groups are because that's who Jesus said going to make disciples of. And disciple, you know, find a people group and begin to disciple it. Get into that people group. You know, the entertainment industry where Stephen uh, lives, you know, Nashville and all that, you know, the, the entertainment industry, that's a people group that God wants to get into. Okay? And the church is not supposed to put up a building, which they call a church, which isn't the church, but put up a building and tell, okay, y'all come to us. Y'all come to us. All right? We're actually supposed to go out, aren't we? We're, we're supposed to be like Uber Eats. We're taking the food to them. Are you with me? Okay. We're supposed to be taking the food to them. And we need to, we need to say, okay, what are our people groups? And you should be able to identify in your community, what are our people groups? And then you need to, okay, how, because you're not going to reach a high school kid the same way you're going to reach a single mother over here. The gospel's the same, but the methodologies we use are, are different. If you've ever taught children, you know that. You know, so we got to know, we should know the people groups we're after. You know, guys in prison or in jail, that's a people group. Okay. You know, one, uh, Jerry Savelle used to, he'd, talk, he and I, he'd say, you know, talking, he'd say, every person's world. We all live in certain worlds. Okay. And as a church, if we're, if we're really determined, we're going to, fulfill the great commission we're going to obey the great commission then we ought to know who we're supposed to reach we've got to have a target group i mean how can you hit a target you don't you don't only know where the target is and you can't say we're going to reach our our community well that's good well let me tell you what good luck with that that's you know you're just shooting out here and how, I mean, that can be good and bad. Okay? So you need to be able to say, what are, our, what are the people groups here? And then you ought to be able to say, well, let's pray over that. And who is God really speaking to us about? Because we can't reach everybody, but we can reach somebody. Okay? But we'll reach nobody if we start identifying everybody. Are you with me? Okay, so we need to identify our nations. We need to know them. That'd be something, I, I'm sure you guys have already done this. I'm not saying you haven't. But it's something you need to revisit at times. What are our people groups in, in the city? And, and as you do that and you begin to pray over that people group, you know, we, how, you know prayer is most effective when it's pointed and, you know, indefinite. General prayers... Produce general answers. But I found that most people need specific answers. Are you with me? And most communities need specific answers. Okay? So we need to look at and think about, okay, what are our people groups here? 
And then we're going to start praying over them. And what you'll find, and I'm, I'm not saying you haven't. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, you know, sharing my heart. What you find as you begin to pray over them, you begin, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit starts when you're praying before you know it. He's got all this you're praying over, but he's kind of pushed you over here, nudged your spirit over here, and you tend to be praying over certain groups. And you begin to say, wait a minute, I think we need to focus on this group and this group. And you also need to know what you can effectively do. Are you with me? Okay. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going, and it's as we're going, it's not an event, it's a life, it's a process. All of life is event and process. You understand that. All of life starts with an event, a crisis, and, and is walked out in a process. You know that, right? Birth is an event. Yay! Life is a process, isn't it? Okay? So, uh, that's all of life. That's the way God constructed life. So, we are not going... Obedience to the gospel, the Great Commission, is not an event. We can have events, but they should be part of a process. Okay? Now, forgive me. I went to University of Alabama. I'm a Crimson Tide fan. And I love what Coach Saban says. I mean, uh, he's a great teacher on leadership. He really is, whether you like him or not. And he teaches this about the importance of the process. And it's so good. He has some great stuff on process. He and Bill Belichick are best friends, and they do a leadership thing on uh, that. If you want, it's some good stuff on there. But anyway, not saying you got to watch it. But, but he talks about the process, and, and he said that's what he focuses everything on is the process, believing in the process. He sells them on the vision, then the process. So life is a process, and winning the loss is a process. Growing our church is a process. Fulfilling the Great Commission is a process. It's not an event. We can't have an event that does it. And, you know, events are supposed to support the process. They can't uh, replace the process. All right? And what we're after in that process is nations, making disciples of the nations. We want to bring people to where they're learners of Jesus. That's a disciple. They're learning Jesus. And that, and in that process, it's we're going to define our nations, our tribes, our people groups that we're going to focus on. Uh, you know, and, uh, you look at the war in, in Ukraine there. Okay, Russia has 300,000 troops that are massed there with all this, this uh, art, uh, military hardware that they just assumed they could march right in at different, about four different places and they'd overrun the nation. Well, the trouble is, see, that's not the way you conduct campaigns. The enemy does not, he'll, he'll make it seem like he's coming at your life from every direction, but he's got one direction he's really after. And what he's doing in every direction is to get your attention so scattered that you're, you know, and then he's able to... Hit you in that weak spot. Okay, he, he's going to have a point of attack. And then he's going to press that point And press it and press it and press it. All right? Well, he, 
Where did he come up with that strategy, I wonder? It's been pretty effective for him. I wonder where he came up with it. He watched the father. Because he's never come up with it. The enemy has never had an original thought. He can't. That's not who he is. That's not what he can do. So what he does is copy what he's seen God do and how God operates. And so he does the same thing. What am I saying? That when we're going to pierce the darkness of our community, we, we've got to focus on our attention, our forces, our resources on something specific and go after that. Just like in your groups or in who you're leading, all right, you need to make some determinations. What am I going to impart to them? How am I going to affect their lives? What do I want to do in these next three months? What do I want to impart to them? All right? And then you begin to work on that. Now, we're not going to get to all the notes, and you know that. There's like, and go, praise God. You've got the notes. I, you know, hopefully you'll look through them. But, I'm sorry? She asked if they were going to get the notes, and he said, not her. <laughs> Make a commitment in your life. I'm going to affect some lives. No matter what you do in the church, that's what you do. Are you with me? No matter what you do, that's why. Your why is affecting lives. Because Jesus affected your life. And so you're going to affect lives. Whether you're turning the knobs on the sound or whether you're leading a group. No matter what it is, I'm going to affect God give me some lives to affect. God, give me some lives. I want my life to count in somebody's life. I want to affect. I want to rain on somebody's desert. I want to bring water to at least one thirsty soul. Don't try to affect a whole group. Find someone in the group. You with me? And say, you know, God, and let the whole, you and the Holy Spirit just partner. Hook up with him. He loves to do this. Hook up with him and say, Holy Spirit, show me who I, you want me to go after to affect. And I'm not talking about that they're lost necessarily. They're in your group. Maybe they're a good, solid Christian. But God, I want to, you know, I want to really affect. Use me how you want to affect him. And then watch what God does. Because... Once you start doing that, you'll find he'll start leading you into other things. And it's almost kind of like, you know, things start unfolding that will be far beyond anything I could share. And God will use you and make your life count. All right? I want to... We, we, I do a lot with our international leaders in strategy development and uh, leadership development and uh, implementation, okay? I'm doing it, thank God, through Zoom. I don't have to get on a plane every other week and fly halfway around the world. I do it through Zoom. And I was, 
And one thing I've been, like for instance, one of the leaders, when we first connected with one of our leaders in, uh, in Asia, one of the nations in Asia, and we were talking, and, and I said, tell me what your heart is. You know? And he began to share his heart. Because see, I'm not going to come in and tell him the vision. I'm going to see, I'm going to connect with him. You know, and so I said, tell me your vision, share it with me. And he began to share all this. And one of the things in the process, he said, my vision for my life is, he said, I want God to use me to plant a hundred churches. And he's a young fellow. And I said, wow, that's powerful. You want to, you want to plant a hundred churches? I said, that's great. I said, what if I can show you how you can do that in a couple of years? He said, What? I said, what if I could show you how to do that in a couple of years? He said, wow, I want to. How in the world could we do that? And I said, what about this? I said, let me ask you a question. Could you find three to five people? Now, actually, what I started with him is ten. We started with ten. But I said, what if you could find three to five, just three to five guys Now, over there in that culture, it's going to mainly start with the men. It's just the way the culture is. See, that's a people's group, isn't it? And so you don't tell them how to fit into our people group. You step into their people group. You with me? Okay, because what am I after? Am I after them becoming an American church or God's church? Okay, see? So I said, could you find three to five guys? He said, absolutely, I have them now. I said, then what if I, do, if, get, if I put in your hand some tools where in three months' time you could teach them all they need to know to start? See, we're never, you know what? When I, I'm a pilot, when I went through all my training and got all stuff, and when they gave me my license, you know what they said? We're giving you a license to learn to fly. That's really what they said. Well, doesn't a doctor practice? Okay. Why? Because what are they saying? We want you to be a lifelong learner, and that's what I want in each of you. And so I said, I'll give you in three months' time the material to where that you could train them in three months, but you had to have this commitment up front that you talk with them and say, here's what I want to do. We're going to meet every week. I'm going to pour into you the things that I have that will lay a foundation in your lives. And at the end of the three months, you're going to commit to go out and get three to five people and you're going to do the same to them and you're going to tell them they've got to commit to go get three to five people who will commit to go get three to five people. And he, I said, can you do that? He said, absolutely. He said, they will do it. And I said, and what you do at the end of that three months, I said, you lay hands on them and you commission them and send them forth and then they report back to you. Well, see, we're working. he's working with 10 and we're working and they've already planted several churches, each one. Of the ten. Well, see, he sees how he can do a hundred churches. I mean, that's like, oh, we've blown past that goal now. (laughs) I mean, we're past. And he's saying, hey, come on. You know, this is, he just feels so excited. And the guys under him feel so excited. Because it's doable. It's how you eat an elephant. In one big bite, don't you? No. No. A bite at a time and take it in doable pieces. Well, if that works in Asia, could it work here? Could it work here? What if you, you know, if you found three to five people, just you, if one of you in here said, you know what, 
And I've challenged, you know, different people to do this and say, yeah, I can find three to five people and say, I'm going to pour into them and do it strategically and do it intentionally and not say, we're going to see what the Holy Spirit does. He's already shown us what he's going to do. We're going to walk with him on an intentional path for a determined uh, destination. You with me? And at the end of that time, you begin to, uh, you take those three to five and you do that and they go out. Did you realize in just a little bit of time, you have it in your notes there, I think I said, that you'll have over 500 people in just a short amount of time. And it's very simple. And you just keep repeating the process. Now, how in the world, you know, it's because you recognize I'm so brilliant, don't you? No. You know, it's all in the Bible. You remember Jethro talking to uh, Moses? You know, what did he tell Moses? He said, see, Moses is trying to reach everybody. He's trying to take care of everybody. He's like your pastor. He's going to do it all. Yeah, I'll do it. You need something else? Sure, I'll do that too. Yeah. I'll do it. All right? And Jethro goes to Moses. He said, Pastor Guy, you're going to wear yourself out and wear these people out. Well, you know, when I read that, I thought, wait a minute. I don't understand that, God. I could understand how Pastor Guy's wearing himself out, but how's it wearing the people out? It's wearing them out because it's not God's process. It's not his plan of how the process he has of developing people. And so you're, re- you're keeping them from development so they're getting worn out by life because they're not developing. And you are their source. You with me? You're their source, so you're the life source that they've got. And if they're not around you, they're going down. You know, you with me? And so he, Moses had the wisdom to listen and be willing to learn. And Moses, Jethro told Moses, put people, put leaders over ten. No more. Ten. Now I know your Bible says over tens, hundreds, and thousands. Nobody led a thousand. Nobody led a hundred. Nobody led twenty. They all led ten. And ten, and each ten, and each ten, and each ten, and each ten. To where that there were thousands being led. You with me? Do you see how that works? Because everybody had ten that they were taking care of and leading. And so the nation prospered and was able to, to grow and develop because they were following God's plan. If it worked there in the Bible, it's a, plan, it's a, it's a picture for us. Then the Bible says that they are examples for us illustrations that we should follow. And so, ask God. You don't have to start with 10. I'm asking you to ask God. Say, God, give me three to five. Three to five. And if you want to give me more, that's fine. But give me like three to five. And let me just impart to their life. And it doesn't have to be in a meeting. It can be in different ways when they're here working or whatever you may be doing. 
But you on purpose, intentionally, are touching their life. All right? And what would that have, what could come of that? Well, I think amazing things can come out of it. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.